Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you for checking out the KIB podcast, whether you are doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Like, follow, subscribe. However you get your podcast, make sure you're listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. We really appreciate you checking out this week's edition. Not a lot of Ice Bears hockey specifically to recap, and really not a whole lot of SPHL hockey around the league. It was kind of a light workload for the Southern Professional Hockey League, but We've got a big weekend to preview as we get closer and closer to Thursday, Knoxville's next game. The Ice Bears were just one game that came back on Friday against Birmingham, uh, and then only one game on Saturday, one game on Sunday across the entire league. So Friday, you had a handful of games going on, but you, you had several teams that just only played one game or didn't play Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Peoria didn't play at all the entire weekend. They'll actually have 12 days off by the time they play against Knoxville. Peoria hasn't played since November 5th, and so the Ice Bears only having played one game in the weekend prior to getting ready for their first 3-3. Three and three. The Ice Bears are at home against Peoria on Thursday and Friday. They're on the road at Macon on Saturday, and so not a ton of hockey to recap, but some storylines that are worth getting into as we take you through this edition of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. And let's just jump right in with that game on Friday at Birmingham. It was Knoxville's first non-Saturday away game. So appreciate everybody that showed up to the road game watch party at Union Place Bar and Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden. So Knoxville getting a rematch with Birmingham after having just played them down at the Pelham Civic Complex two weeks prior. Knoxville won that game 4-1. to one. Obviously, the storyline there. Christian Stead makes 60 saves. Andrew Ballant gets a hat trick. Well, wasn't exactly the storyline this time around. Knoxville did limit Birmingham's shots on goal, at least compared to what it did two weeks ago. Birmingham still got off 40 shots. They are shooting more than uh, just about anybody in the Southern Professional Hockey League. Knoxville, though, a little bit more levelness in terms of the discrepancy. And really, it was just a lot of back-and-forth hockey. Birmingham had 40 shots on goal. Knoxville had 34 and the teams were even through the first two periods. The The difference was actually made in that third period when Birmingham outshot Knoxville 13-7. to The Ice Bears went into that third period with a 5-3 to lead after scoring twice in the final five minutes of the second period to take the first two-goal lead of the game. And that kind of put Knoxville in motion to really focus on the defensive side of the rink and just try to keep the puck out of the net while also trying to push the offensive. Knoxville had a couple of um, of chances there in the third period to maybe extend its lead again. They had an opportunity uh, to go on the power play about midway through the third period that also helped really kill off some valuable time that Birmingham really needed. But for Knoxville, it ultimately got the job done, came away with a 5-4 to four win. Christian Stead getting his fourth win of the season. He made 36 saves in net on 40 shots. And it was just a, a wild back-and-forth game. Kyler Matthews scored early off the rebound for Knoxville. Jake Papalardo scored off a redirect about three minutes later. And then with five minutes left to go in the first period, Brady Florent 
scored uh, off his own rebound. Justin McDonald set him up with a really nice saucer pass, and Florent did what he does best so far this season, and that's uh, score goals. And he ended up getting his second uh, halfway through the second period with a nice wrist shot from the high slot on the power play, and that came after Jordan Martin scored early for Birmingham. And so Brady Florent gave Knoxville a two to one lead. Then he gave Knoxville a three to two lead. Carson Rose scored to tie the game for Birmingham. And then Rasmus Waxenangback and Andrew Ballant both scored for Knoxville in the final five minutes of the second period to make it a five, three hockey game. Rose got his second of the night uh, when he finished off a two on one with a nice backhand over Stead's left pad. And that made it five to four. Knoxville was able to hang on the rest of the way. Birmingham got an opportunity on the power play, uh, but with about seven and a half minutes left to go in the game, and Knoxville was able to kill off the penalty. Now, Knoxville still gave up two power play goals, and that's something that Brent Clark is probably going to want to correct, especially since Knoxville held Birmingham to one goal and zero for eight on the power play. It's it's last time out against the Bulls, but. Knoxville found a way to win a shootout type game where it's going back and forth. Teams are getting a ton of chances. Who's going to make the most of their shots? And you know, for Knoxville, it, it really feels like they've got shooters. And last year, last year's team was obviously very high scoring, and you had points in bunches from a lot of different guys: Timo Feyev, Waxenengback, Ballant, uh, Brucato when he was healthy. Uh, Anthony McVeigh led the uh, team in points. Last season, Balsamo, of course, had a big year, but it, so far it's it's had to be guys at sometimes making individual efforts. And I think when you rely on structure with your offense, not to say that Knoxville was doing this last year, Knoxville had excellent structure, but they also had guys that could make plays. But it really feels like Knoxville has a bunch of guys that can just make individual efforts. It feels like Knoxville's a team this year that can uh, really generate defense into offense, especially if you turn the puck over in the neutral zone which has proven costly for other teams. Knoxville's got a really solid forecheck, it seems like. That that third line um, at times has been a really good forechecking line, just very pesky for opposing teams. And so who, whoever is out there, we've also seen a rotation because of call-ups and because of guys being placed on IR, um, guys being scratched. You know, Cam Huff and Dino Balsamo, neither of those guys were available for Knoxville on Friday night. So you have Nick Price going from the third line to the first line and ends up working out pretty well, working in conjunction with Brady Flurin and Justin McDonald because, well, that, that line ended up generating two goals and McDonald was on the ice on the power play for another one with Andrew Ballant's wrist shot from the left circle that ultimately proved to be the game winner. And so it just feels like it's nice to see these different type of games because last year Knoxville got off to a really good start but it was a lot of low-scoring games. Like, like we really didn't get until mid-November until Knoxville scored, you know, more than three goals in a single game. So far this year, Knoxville's only failed to score three goals once. That was in the three-to-one loss to Roanoke uh, two weekends ago. So it, it's it's nice to see what Knoxville can do to generate its offense. And you're seeing a lot of that offense come from that first line. And you you started to see. Um, a couple of guys in the defense getting involved a little bit more. Kyler Matthews has contributed offensively, got his first goal of the season on Friday night, but has also had a, a couple of rebounds uh, or a couple of assists. Brett Beauvais has been tallying up the assists as well. Um, Cole McKechnie got on the scoreboard again after a while of, of kind of, you know, since that season opener when he had that goal there in the second period against Evansville. Um, you know, saw him get his first assist of the year. Jagger Williamson had a pair of assists. And so you're starting to see those non-top six forwards 
that aren't consistently in those top two lines, you're starting to see those guys just generate that offense a little bit more because as impressive as it's been to watch what McDonald and Florin are doing, you don't want those two guys to be your only offense. And we, we kind of see that trend in this league. You know, the, a lot of the best teams from last season, Knoxville, Peoria, Huntsville, those were the top three teams. All those teams had several guys that could score and score in bunches and generate offense, whether it was by scoring goals or generating assists, creating scoring chances for their teammates. And it, this year, it's, you know, obviously to start things off, there's been a lot of talk about McDonald and Florent because as of right now, they're the top two scoring leaders in the SPHL. Florent's tied for second, but he leads the league in goals. McDonald leads the league in assists. So you want to be able to see more guys really start to contribute. And Rasmus Wax and Engback getting a goal, I think, on Friday is a really good sign that he can start generating his offense a little bit more. Dino Balsamo I, wants to you know continue to generate that offense as well. And so I think they're... Obviously, depending on what the lineup decision is, is they if if he's playing this weekend, then obviously he's gonna want to start to generate that offense as well. Especially since we've seen him working with Wax and Engback on the same line a few times this season. And then a uh, notable storyline that happened after the game, and it, it kind of snuck under the radar a little bit just because of everything happening with the college football weekend back in Knoxville, and it, it was kind of. It wasn't really reported on the league website until Sunday, but Andrew Ballant was called up to the Indy Fuel where he played in 13 games last season, spent this preseason, uh, was with the Indy Fuel during camp, was called up and played Saturday night. And just a, a wild scene. If you haven't seen the video, Andrew Ballant gets into a fight in a game against Cincinnati and he and his opponent just knocked each other out. I don't know any other way to describe it. It was like that episode from uh, that scene from Toy Story where the uh, Rock'em Sock'em robots just repeatedly punch each other until they jack each other up. Like, that's kind of what happened in this fight. I mean, Ballant and his opponent both go down. They just repeatedly punch each other, and that's... Here's the thing. Belly doesn't fight super frequently. He doesn't fight nearly as often as, say, Kyler Matthews. But, man, when he fights, it is a scene worth watching. And that guy is so tough. I mean, he put a guy from Fayetteville on the IR last year. And it's just a very tough fighter. Um, you know, it's and it's not it's not all he is. He goes out there. I mean, he's scored five goals in five games before his call-up. He's been, uh, you know, he had a three-point night on Friday, assisted on two goals, and just having a very solid season, despite the fact that he missed the first weekend of the year because he was still with Indy in camp. And so, you know, deserving the call-up to go back to Indy um, over the weekend, and and obviously you want to see him come back soon, but you also want to see him do well in the ECHL. So now uh, two of Knoxville's notable forwards, Brett Outerkirk and Andrew Ballant, called up to the ECHL for the time being. And so that might, uh, you know, we'll see what that means as far as Elijah Wilson coming back. Wilson was added to the roster uh, Thursday night before that road trip to Birmingham. He had gotten off to a pretty good start in Watertown in the FPHL, and so with Ballant's call-up, okay, what, what does this mean for Wilson, assuming that Balsamo comes back, Alexander Jameyev has uh, been in the mix, and so it's kind of figuring out where everybody fits in when you have to make a roster decision, and sometimes the, the timing of the call-up just works out in terms of keeping the guys that you have, but it does mean that you have to shift some things around and that you have to be able to generate offense with the guys that, are there and, and so you can't rely on the guys that aren't. And so, you know, Brett Outerkirk had six points in three games and then got called up. Andrew Ballant, five goals in five games, got called up. 
that's kind of the nature of the SPHL. And so you, you need, obviously, you know, you, you feel confident that you can get points from Justin McDonald and Brady Florent, but you're going to need more from Rasmus Waxenangback and you're going to need more from Dino Balsamo and you're going to need more from Cole McKechnie and Jagger Williamson and Alexander Jameyev and Nick Price and all those guys, all those guys are going to play a very important role in Cam Huff and, you know, that entire forward group, everybody's going to have to start contributing. And you're, you're starting to get into the meat of the schedule where you, you've got three games in three days coming up and you have the defending President's Cup champions coming into your barn for two games. And we know how this series went last year. Knoxville and Peoria played each other four times last year. The Ice Bears only won one of those games. And in the other three losses, Knoxville led in the third period in all three of them. And so it's a, you know, it's a series that you just feel like Man, Peoria is never going to quit and you feel like you have to give your all and you have to find ways to win. And Peoria knows that it's always a scrap against Knoxville. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see. It's tough to get a read on Peoria where they're at right now. Got off to a slow start with a couple of the losses to Quad City. That was kind of the MO for them last year, though. Lost some games early, started to find their groove, got going once they got into the routine of their schedule. And so you know, you can only really tell and determine so much this early in the season. And also, just like last year, around this time a year ago, Peoria has played fewer games in the SPHL than anybody else. So sure, Peoria only has six points. They've only played six games. They're three and three on the year. You, you can't really get a read for the for a team that early in the season. Knoxville's only played seven games. They're officially an eighth of the way through the regular season. They're five and two. That's great. Looks solid to start off with. And, and for Knoxville, you know, th- this is one of the luxuries that Knoxville has of being one of the more centrally located teams in this league is that usually in the early parts of the season, Knoxville's played a blend of opponents. You know, last year, Knoxville started off the season against Macon. Then they went to Birmingham. Then they played Roanoke and Huntsville in, uh, in a two-game weekend. So, you know, within the first four games, Knoxville's already seen four different opponents. Well, a lot of these teams up north, you know, they kind of play each other twice. You know, Pensacola has already seen Huntsville a handful of times. Birmingham's already seen Huntsville more than once. Um, Quad City has played Peoria and Evansville. Peoria has not left the state of Illinois. Like, Peoria, ha- Peoria has not left the state of Illinois. Their, their only road games have been against the other Illinois teams, and then, of course, they've played at home. So, for Peoria, not only are they coming off 12 days rest when they come to play Knoxville, but it's their first time being out of the state. So they, they've had the luxury of getting to stay in Illinois so far through the first six games of the season. But that's kind of how it works with the structure of this league is that it's not an even schedule. You don't play the other teams in your league an even amount of times. Knoxville plays Macon and Roanoke uh, nine times this year. And they play Vermilion County three times. Like That's just kind of how it works. Um, you know, they play Huntsville seven times. They play Pensacola four times. It, it's just kind of the nature of how the league is structured. And so for Knoxville, it's seeing another new opponent. Knoxville's kind of used to this where you, you can't really get any familiarity um, other than the home and home against Evansville. Birmingham is the first repeat opponent that Knoxville's had this season. And so it, it's going to be about understanding a new opponent, preparing for Peoria to come in. And Peoria, I think, is... I think Peoria is going to be fine. I wouldn't make too much of their three and three record. We we kind of have seen this script before. They're going to keep getting better and they're going to, uh, you know, win more games as the season goes along. And we've already seen different results that you don't necessarily expect to see on paper. Macon's got a win over Fayetteville. Quad City's got a loss to Vermilion County. And it's still early in the season to kind of make any assumptions about who's doing what. But based on what we saw last season, 
you know, a lot of people have been surprised to find out, hey, Macon shut out Fayetteville. Hey, Vermilion County beat up on Quad City in a game. Now Quad City's gotten Vermilion County a couple of times in return, but this is kind of where we're at with this season so far. And I think it's just been interesting to see how everything's played out, some of the results that we've gotten, because I do think, you know, based based on what we've just seen through four weekends, it really does feel like there's actually a little bit more parity throughout the course of the league. Quad City's off to a good start. Evansville's off to a good start, but they've played more games than anybody in the league besides Quad City. Roanoke still looks strong. You know, Knoxville and Huntsville still look strong, but Huntsville at the same time, well, you know, they've had a loss to Birmingham. They've had a loss to Pensacola. It's kind of interesting to see how... The, the season could shake out. And Pensacola, they, they've played a lot of high-scoring games. They, you know, they're third in the league in goals scored, but they're also, they've also allowed the third most goals in the league up to this point in time. So it's kind of interesting, like, all right, so Pensacola's playing a lot of high-octane, high-powered games, and, you know, what is that going to look like as the season goes on? If that defense settles in, well, that team could be really dangerous. If the offense stalls out, Pensacola could be in trouble. So... It, it, you just have to find out in what areas are teams going to improve as the th- as this goes along. Birmingham, they weren't a playoff team last year. They finished in ninth, finished a couple of games back of Roanoke for that number eight seed. But Birmingham looks a lot sharper this year. And, and sure, they're four and three. Yes, they've you know had a couple of games where they've given up three, four, five goals. But they just look faster on the perimeter. And they look like a team that's more disciplined defensively. They've got more fight to them. You know, there, there's been the two games they've played against Knoxville. There have been fights. There have been a lot of penalties. Um, you know, both teams have had a, a minimum of like five power plays each in those two games. Birmingham had seven on Friday. Knoxville had six. Birmingham had eight the first time those two teams played. So a lot of penalties when those two teams get together. But I also just think that Birmingham is a team that has a lot more motivation. They're fighting a lot more. It feels like the culture's changed a little bit with Craig Simchuk from his second year to his third. So just different things that are noticeable with how Birmingham's playing hockey this year. And obviously there's a handful of teams that Knoxville hasn't seen yet. They'll see Peoria for the first time this Thursday and Friday, and then they'll see Macon for the second time this season coming up on Saturday, but their first trip to Georgia for a game this season. But it, it so far, it feels like everything's even. There's not a clear runaway favorite and granted last year Huntsville had that historic start where you know the first 13 or so games before a loss which was the best start ever to a regular season in SPHL history nobody did that this year so that's kind of where Knoxville is at um and and where a lot of teams in the league are at Knoxville and Roanoke are the only two teams in the league with less than three regulation losses. It's still very early, so we're not getting too far into the schedule. Roanoke is 5-2-1. and one. Knoxville's 5-2. and two. And that, that one shootout loss for Roanoke, like who knows what would have actually happened there. For those that haven't heard the story, two weekends ago, they were playing against Fayetteville, and due to some issues with the ice, the game was ruled uh, no longer safe to play on, but the score was tied in the second period. And so... They went ahead and just played a shootout to determine the winner, and Fayetteville won the shootout. So it's just a, a little interesting how, you know, I just wonder if that's going to be a storyline. Does Roanoke end up missing out on a certain seed line in the playoffs, or do they gain a seed line in the playoffs because of one point? Just something that'd be fun to think about as the season goes along. But again, things to be mindful of as to as to how certain things have played out over the course of the first few weeks of the season. But Knoxville has its first 3-3 three and three 
coming up this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday is Chili's Ranch Night. It's a tribute to the show Yellowstone, which obviously the new season just premiered. So if you're a big Yellowstone fan, come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bouncy horse races, those inflatable bouncy horses. We're going to have people racing those across the ice. And then the dino races are on Friday. So here's the deal. If you have a dinosaur costume, you can participate in this race. If you don't have a dinosaur costume, you can buy one at the team store. You don't need to go out and uh, to uh, a specialty store or something and try to find one. You can buy them at the team store and online at KnoxvilleIceBears.com. And we have youth and adult sizes available. Batteries are included for all of them. So we, we're making it really convenient for you because we, we want to get a ton of dinosaurs on the ice for this. So if you don't have a dinosaur costume, you can buy one at the team store and then you can race across the ice. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Dino races on Friday night and then another road game watch party Saturday night as the Ice Bears head to Macon after taking on Peoria on Thursday and Friday. Thank you again so much for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Whether you're doing so on Apple, Google, or Spotify, hit that subscribe button, like the podcast, follow it. Whatever method you're using to listen to your podcast, be sure to help spread the word about the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. And one other quick note from Friday, and some of you may have seen the video that the Ice Bears put out on social media already. Um, the week leading up to the Birmingham game for this past Friday, a gentleman named Andy reached out to us about his son, Ethan. And Ethan has um, Duchesne's muscle dystrophy. And so it's been obviously a very, you know, it's just been a trying journey for Ethan and his family. Um, Ethan's in a wheelchair. Um, really good kid who just loves hockey, just gets very excited about ice hockey. And so the family is from Ireland. And they made the trip over to the States. And I, I, I guess periodically they do this where they come to the U.S. and they go look at a bunch of different rinks. They check out different hockey games. And of course, they've got hockey over in Europe. They are big Belfast Giants fans. Um, so if, if you ever find yourself in Ireland, in Northern Ireland specifically, uh, be sure to check out Belfast and check out the Giants. And if you run into Andy, Yvette, and Ethan, just say hey and, and let them know that, uh, you know, that you're an Ice Bears fan. But when Justin McDonald was with the Atlanta Gladiators, the uh, family caught a game in Atlanta and Ethan just really hit it off with Justin. And so J-Mac has been a big supporter and a follower of Ethan's journey and everything that he's had to go through. And so the family reached out to us, letting us know that they were you know, kind of taking a trip through. They went up and saw the Bruins play. They caught a Penguins game. Uh, they were in Washington to see the Capitals. Um, the day after they came to see our game in Birmingham, they went back to Nashville to check out Bridgestone Arena. So they watched the Predators take on the Rangers. And then I think this week they're going back to Atlanta to see the Gladiators. So um, they're just going all over the place, regardless of what league it is. They just want to see hockey. And so they wanted to surprise Justin and not tell him that Ethan was coming. And so we had them up top on the second floor at the Pelham Civic Complex. We led Justin into the elevator and when the doors opened, he saw Ethan, was so excited to see him. So they got to spend some time together. We had Ethan on the bench for warm-ups. It was awesome. Uh, a really great experience. We appreciate the Birmingham Bulls, too, for helping facilitate everything that was going on with that. They provided so much and were so helpful and were more than happy to help uh, just make the entire uh, McLean family as comfortable as possible during their experience. Um, and, of course, got to hang out with the team after the game as well. So... Uh, just a really cool story, and you can check out Team McLean, uh, two C's, so M-C-C-L-E-A-N, Team McLean on Facebook, or at Team underscore McLean on Twitter, 
and you can follow Ethan's journey there. Um, but just a, a kid that loves hockey, very polite, and was just happy to be there. And apparently Ethan didn't know either. Um, his parents didn't tell him. They kept it a secret from him that they were going to see Justin McDonald the entire time as they were making the trip down to Birmingham, which I did not know that. So I'm really thankful that I didn't actually spoil the surprise when I got to meet Ethan and the rest of the family before I led them to JMAC because um, I, I had no idea that Ethan wasn't supposed to be made aware. And so I was like thinking in my head, oh my gosh, did I say something? Apparently I didn't. So he was surprised. He was very happy. Um, I'm just glad that I did not <laughs> did not ruin this <laughs> because uh, uh, that is something that I would have been prone to do, especially since I did not know that Ethan was not supposed to be privy to what's going on. Justin had no idea. He was so happy when we got on the bus um, and was you know excited and, and telling um, the coaches and everything about it when we started making our way back to Knoxville, but just a very cool moment. And we were really happy to be able to make that happen for Ethan. And you can check out the video to see uh, the look on Justin's face and just to see the moment where he gets to see Ethan and the rest of the family for the first time, uh, first time in a while. So uh, it was really, really cool to see. So love stuff like this. It's why we love sports and wishing nothing but the best for Ethan and the rest of the family moving forward, especially as they um, get ready to enjoy the rest of the hockey on this trip before making their way back to the UK. So again, you can check out that video on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for more information, you can check out Team McLean on Facebook and Twitter uh, to be able to keep up to date on Ethan's journey and to see what rink he's checking out next. He loves hockey. He's got a bunch of jerseys. He has Justin McDonald memorabilia from his time in Atlanta. So a lot, a lot of fun stuff. He's got a lot of great stuff. We made sure to, to get him some Ice Bear swag too, since now he's officially an Ice Bear swag, uh, fan since his favorite player is playing for Knoxville. Thank you again so much for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. We will have the call for you for Thursday night, 105.1 WKCE, the official flagship station of the Knoxville Ice Bears. Be sure to register for dino races. We want to get a ton of dinosaurs on the ice this Friday. And of course, Thursday night, the bouncy horse races. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for checking out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. I'm Joel Silberg. We'll catch you on the call for Thursday's game of Ice Bears Hockey.